Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. What? No. Who's the first one back in the land? Judah. The lion. Oh, good. Light bulb's going on. Okay. You can read the rest of Numbers 10. The camp was set up in a specific order. Each camp had a banner. Each flag was a, a, a representing the tribe. And the head of that tribe were the four symbols, the four leading tribes. Judah, Ephraim, Dan, Reuben. The four corners, the four stations around the camp, around the tabernacle. And what are those four symbols look like? The eagle, the lion, the bull, and the man. Guess what? Guess what? This is a carob. You read about this in Ezekiel. This is what the carob looks like. Why? Why? They're always associated with the holiness of Jehovah. When Adam sinned, carobim were stationed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden to guard the way of the tree of life. They represented the righteous government. They represent the righteous government of Jehovah and are the executors of Jehovah's righteousness and his holy judgment. The cherubs are revealed in Ezekiel in chapters 1, 5 through 10 as four living creatures, each one having four different faces, the face of a man, a lion, an ox, and an eagle. Now, these aren't exactly pictured right, but this is the best picture I could get. So they're quite not, right, not, not quite in the right order. Now, expand that out. And here's the camp of Israel. The camp of Israel was set up with the main or leading tribes as head banners or the head flag, the leading heraldic, you know what, when I say heraldic, you know what I mean, heraldry, the crest, the emblems, these are the main emblems for each tribe. Notice that they resemble the cherub. Here they are again, now they're broken down because each tribe was ahead of three tribes on each section, all around the tabernacle. And then you had the Levites around the tabernacle to protect that area so nobody walked in there. And anyone that walked in there, whether animal, beast, or child, was to be shot. Pretty severe. Numbers 2-2, the children of Israel are to camp each by his own banner, each by his own flag, each by his own ensign, beside the sign of his father's house. Let them camp around the tent of meeting at a distance. And on the east side, towards sunrise, those of the banner of the camp of Yehuda camp according to their divisions, and the leader of the children of Yehuda, Nashon's son, and, and his army with their registered ones, 74,000. So we can, you know, there's a lot of things. But each camp is designed this way, and this is the way they were to move each time. And guess what? Their nations now are designed similar. Judah's in the east. Right? It's kind of amazing. 
So now we got to stop that. I'm just, you know, I gave you a little taste there. I got to stop now. I got to go someplace else. Because before the Exodus, before the Exodus, something took place. We have other migrations to learn about. We have Moses who came and took the people out of Israel. But before Moses came, there were other Exodus. And you read in the Shumash, the Humash, however you say it, that 30 years before the Exodus, Ephraim tried to leave on their own because they calculated the 430 years to be 400 years. And they left 30 years early and they got slaughtered by the Philistines on the northern highway into the Promised Land. Why did Moses take the southern route? Because the northern route, everyone was so afraid of taking because they got killed there before. Just 30 years before. Utterly slaughtered. And Ephraim was devastated. Read that in the footnotes of your Humash. Now, who is Danus and Cadmus? Again, open up your encyclopedia. It says, Encyclopedia Britannica, do not believe the British Israelism, do not believe Armstrongism. Prove this yourself in your own encyclopedia because it's right there. Don't believe me. I'm just Canadian. We already know everything. You guys just haven't figured it out yet. Now the Egyptians say that also after these events, what events is that? The plagues of Exodus. A great number of colonies were spread from Egypt. So I'm taking this right out of the Encyclopedia Britannica. A great number of, of colonies were spread from Egypt all over the inhabited world. They say also that those who set forth with Danus, 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 D-A-N, Danus, D-A-N-A-U-S, Danus, D-A-N, Dan, Danus, likewise from Egypt, settled what is practically the oldest city of Greece. Argos, Toronto Argonauts, Argos. You've heard of Argos? Look up your ancient Greek history. And that the nations of Colchi, C-O-L-C-H-I, in Pontus, and that of the Jews, which lies between Arabia and Syria, were founded as colonies by certain immigrants from their country. So here's an Egyptian record in your Encyclopedia Britannica comparing these, the people of Argos and other colonies in Greece and comparing the same Jews that settled in the eastern Mediterranean. They're the same people. But they're using different names for them and then people go astray and get lost. And this is the reason why it is a long-established institution among these peoples to circumcise their male children... Uh, but that's done away according to the New Testament. That's why these people circumcise their children, because it's a custom that they were taught by Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all 12 sons, taught their son. That's why Ishmael teaches their sons to do it. Circumcise their male children, the custom having been brought over from Egypt. They were captivity in Egypt. This is where we're talking from. This is before Moses got there. And we've got a great story here to tell. Even the Athenians, they say, are colonists from Sais in Egypt. This is the history of Diodorus of Sicily by G.H. Oldfather, Volume 1, Books 1 to 2, 1 to 34, pages 1 to 34, 1933, page 91. 
I'm not making this up. It's right there in your history books. Hecateus therefore tells us, so this is another historian, that the Egyptians, formerly being troubled by calamities, what's that about? The Exodus, in order that the divine wrath might be averted, expelled all aliens. See, they're trying to cover up that Moses actually took them all out. So we gave them authority to go. No, Moses took them. This is the Exodus. Expelled all all aliens, gathered all aliens to gather all... See, I had trouble doing this on the video. It's only one line. I couldn't say it. It took me 30 takes. Expelled all aliens gathered together in Egypt. Of these, some under the leaders of Danus and Cadmus migrated into Greece, others into other regions, a greater part into Syria. Syria is what they call Israel today, meaning Palestine. Oh, there's the note there. Their leader is said to have been Moses, a man renowned for wisdom. Who's saying this? Hecateus, an ancient historian. Hecateus, H-E-C-A-T-E-U-S. Look him up. Another author, Mueller, in his work, Fragmenta Historicorum Graecorum, which is in Latin, also relates these events as recorded by the pen of Hecateus Abader. So this is in the 6th century that this is being recorded. That's not British Israelism. This is 6th century. The calamities referred to here are obviously the plagues, which Jehovah God brought. Okay, we know that. But here's what most people just skip right over. Second Chronicles, or First Chronicles, is a boring book. Just names and places and births. And it's the most fascinating book in the Bible. Oh, the whole Bible's fascinating, but this is one of those... Well, if you're talking about that subject, it's one of the most fascinating subjects. Here's the sons of Zerah. Who's Zerah? See, when I got mixed up before, it was Tamar. Tamar dressed herself up as a prostitute and attracted Judah to have sex with her. Am I allowed to say sex? Okay. (laughs) Because Judah did not give Tamar his sons after Tamar's husband died. The children came out one put out his hand. That was Zara. Then he pulled his hand back in. But before he did, the nurse, the midwife tied a thread around his hand. Pulled his hand back in. And out pops Ferris. And she said, what happened here? How'd that happen? Right? You know the story. So out pops Ferris. And Ferris is a line that goes all the way down to King David to Zedekiah. The last king of the Ferris line. So, the question I ask you, is God a liar? King David shall not lack a king to sit upon his throne. Where's the king? Where's the king of Judah right now? It's not in the state of Israel, but they're thinking of trying to make one. That's going to turn out really, really bad if they do. Zerah. Stuck out his hand, tied a thread around it, and that symbol of Zerah, I can't tell you yet. 
But Zerah had three, uh, five boys. Z- um, Zimri, Ethan, Herman, Galcol. Remember, we've already talked about Galcol and Dara. Galcol and Dara are the ones that left Egypt. So there's a scripture there. You can read that. King Solomon in 1 Kings 4.30. Now, this, I never noticed this before. Well, I've noticed it when I was doing the notes, but Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of the children of the East Country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Chapter 1 Kings 4.31 For he was wiser than all the men than Ethan the Israelite and Haman and Galcol and Darda the sons of Mahol and his fame was in all nations round about. Why did Solomon have to say he was wiser than these five men here? Because these men were full of wisdom and understood prophecy and understood things, and they were brilliant. And they developed all these other nations that came out of there. So here's another list of names. Okay? And we've got to pay attention to these names if you want to understand who's who. And his descendants were called Zerahites, and Ezraites, and Ezraites. They have different names, different spellings. Numbers 26.20, 1 Kings 4.31, 1 Chronicles 27.81, and, and 1 Chronicles 27.11. They all have different spellings for the same name. And it's these names that are passed down through generations. The migrations out of Egypt led Danus and Cadmus and, and Exodus. So, stop here. Stop. What's going on? Why are they leaving? Are they trying to fulfill the commandment that 430 years after you're going to leave? No. Ephraim did that and he got slaughtered. But this was before that. What's going on here? We read in the Bible that Joseph says to his brothers, do not fear. I'm not going to kill you. Right? And I'm, all, I'm, out of, I'm going to probably come up to that in a minute, but I got it out of order here, so now I'm guessing what the scripture is. I don't know what the scripture is. The rumor going around the camp is that as soon as Joseph dies, our sons are going to slaughter you and your sons for having caused Joseph all this pain and suffering that he went through when he was thrown into captivity and sold into Egypt. So rather than take the chance, because that rumor is starting to sound true, we're going to get up and leave. So Galcol goes first. Darda goes next. And then Joseph says, Do not fear, for what you meant for evil, Jehovah meant for good. And that's the end of it. That's why it happened. And guess what? That history, according to the Sabbath and chronology, fits the, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica history as to when these countries were first founded in Egypt. To the year. No fudging, no fixing, no adjusting. They got it right in the Encyclopedia Britannica, and it matches the sabbatical and cycles to a T. The migrations out of Egypt led by Danus and Cadmus and Exodus under Moses are not the only ones recorded. Another important Grecian colony was founded by Cecrops, who became the first legendary king of Attica. Cecrops, as we shall see, was an Israelite. And according to the Harmsworth Encyclopedia, not Joe Dumont, the Harmsworth Encyclopedia, 
seed crops, Galcol of 1 Chronicles 2.6 and C-H-A-C-O-L of 1 Kings 4.31 and his brother Darda was the mythical founder of Athens and its first king. He was, brought, he was thought to have been the leader of a band of Hebrew colonists from Egypt. Whoa! The encyclopedia says that? It's right there. So these descendants are called Zarahites. Z-A-R-H-I-T-E-S. Just like my descendants will be called Dumanites. And yours will be called whatever you are. Israelites. Did these bands of Israel refugees stay in Greece and Asia Minor? Or did they migrate further to distant lands across the sea? So now we're going to start to follow these names because now that we know what they were called when they left Egypt, we can now follow them through history because history records them. But the thing you just didn't know is what they were called. So we've got the Israelites over here and their symbols that we've already got. Now we're going to follow the Greeks people. And then, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come back and do the Israelite ones through, uh, through Europe. So according to Euripides, and the Greek geographer and historian Strabo, these are where the people of Danus and Galcol lived. And these are what they called themselves. The Danai, the Pelia Sigiote, the Pelia Ponesas, I can't say these names, Argos, Argives, and Achaia. These are all Israelite tribes. And they're in Greece which brings up an interesting prophecy or comment in the New Testament. When the, I forget who said it, but they're talking about Yeshua, and he says, he's going to go where you can't find me. And they're saying, where's he going? Is he going to go to the Greeks? Why didn't they say, well, is he going to go to the Babylonians? Because the Greeks were their brothers, and they knew it because they had letters from the Greeks, from Athens to Jerusalem, and Eli, remember Eli, the big fat guy in Judges? He wrote back and said, yeah, you are our brothers. They got this records. Why aren't we taught this? Danus, Darda, Dara, Dardanes, Dardanelles. You were the Dardanelles? Okay, I forgot. You guys are Americans. You don't know anything outside your borders. Canada's to the north. Mexico's to the south. Those are the ones you let in real quick. Canadians you keep out. This is, this is Turkey. Here's the Dardanelles right there. Named after Darda, who founded Troy. Troy is... Well, you've heard of the Battle of Troy. When they first left Egypt, they landed in Crete. And they founded all these cities in Crete to have Egyptian or Israelite names. But there was an explosion there. Something bad happened. We don't know exactly what it is. We suspect it might have something to do with the Exodus and the sky turning black for three days? Remember the darkness that was so thick? Well, there was a volcanic explosion down here that wiped out a lot of cities around the Aegean Sea. Because it says that Dardus came up to Dardanelles. This is the, the legend of Trode, with a crippled ship, a crippled fleet of ships, because of some explosion. There's a volcano there that blew up. So here's the symbols from Troy. A serpent. This is a Trojan symbol, a serpent. 
It's a symbol of Dan. Darda is Dan. Troas. Now, these names that are being shown to you here are names of the descendants of the children. The legends that take place, and these become great legends, and we get great movies out of there. And I'm going to go a little bit faster now, because you guys kind of know the story of Troy and Helena. These are real people. These are Israelite people. And their morality happens. But this is stuff that you can search out and prove to yourself in your own encyclopedia. I love this movie. Because when I watch it, I knew who was who. And I knew who the names were and where they go. One of the names in this character, in this, in this, this thing is called Perez. 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 P-A-R-I-S. I don't know where he went. Come on. Yes, you do. Yeah. This war took place in 1194, 1184 B.C., and that lines up with the chronology perfectly. I don't have to fudge stuff here. It just all fits. Achilles, he got shot in the heel. That's where that legend comes from. He killed Hectus. Hectus was the next king of Troy. But this war that they lost in Troy, and all the kings, there were 50 sons of this king, 50 sons who were princes to be king. And they all scattered and became kings in different areas all around the Aegean Sea. But they had this fascination with a horse. Dan and the horse. You go to Ireland, they got white horses sculpted in the hills right now. That's why they took this horse inside, because it's a symbol of something that means something to them. So here comes another little boring stuff. It's family tree history, and it leads you down, you know, who, to, what happened, who. And there's some great stuff in here, and I, I love history. I just love it. But we're almost out of time. So I'm going to go real quick and see where I'm going to end up. I'm trying to get to halfway. I'm not even halfway yet. But you follow the name by name, and each of the kings of Europe are found here. But what's going to get down to is a king in Rome who is a king of the line of Judah, has a prophecy about this child that's about to be born, and the guy didn't like the prophecy, so he killed the prophet. But the child was said that when he's born, he's going to kill his mother, and he's going to kill his father. That's pretty bad. When he was born, his mother died in childbirth. First part of the prophecy comes true. Later on, when he was practicing his father showed him how to shoot a bow and arrow. He unfortunately killed his father with the arrow. That child was Brutus. Now, he's a descendant from the line of Judah. His name is Brutus. Brutus has so much history going for him, it's in your encyclopedia. But all these countries here are settled by kings of Judah from the Trojan line. Troy and the 50 kings are descendants from the line of Judah. We're still Judah right now. We haven't started talking about Zerah yet.
It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles, along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9WS3O. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out.